He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left. This crowd is going deadly silent. Cinderella story. Out of nowhere. Before a great keeper now. About to become the Masters champion. <clears throat> it looks like a wreck. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! Welcome to a very special and a historic 100th episode of a Good Talk Spoiled Golf podcast sponsored by Titleist Golf. I'm James Richardson and I'm joined, as always, by Barry O'Hanrahan. Hey Barry, how are you? Feeling old. <laughs> You're feeling 100. Yeah. Um, if anybody wants to get in contact with us, send us uh, congratulations or anything like that. We're always on Twitter at PodcastGTS or our email is a goodtalkspoiled at gmail.com. And I suppose just to let people know that uh, further on in the episode, in, a, in, in probably about 10 or, or so minutes, um, we have two of the original presenters is coming back live. Um, Bobby and Alan are going to phone in from California and Paris to have a, a talk about how the show started, um, how much they've enjoyed and what they enjoyed and they're kind of the update about where they are, how their golf is and, and what they've been seeing over the last year and what they hope to see over the next year. So stay tuned for that. I suppose, um, as I said, this this podcast is kindly sponsored for the 100th episode by Titleist and uh, we have a very exciting competitions, three competitions, in fact, this week, all sponsored by Titleist. And uh, Barry, you might just outline... For the listeners at the start, we're going to ask three questions, one in a minute, one at the before the interview with Alan. And Don't tell them exactly Bobby. when. Yeah, ah, well, the, I think the third the, one's up, yeah. and the third one will be towards the end. Mark, we'll repeat yeah. everything, but more importantly, before the questions, how do they enter? Because there's some great prizes by Titleist. Okay, so we're going to make this not too difficult, hopefully. So you guys need to follow us on Twitter. It's at podcast GTS. Uh, if you don't already, get following. And then to enter, you need to send a tweet to us. So it's at podcast GTS. Also include at Titleist Europe. And you can list your answers one, two, and three. So you, you don't have to answer all three of them. You can answer for one of the prizes or two of the prizes or all three of the prizes. You don't have to send separate tweets to them. They can all be in one tweet. And you also don't forget to hashtag Team Titleist because they're awesome. Their forums are brilliant and they're a great resource. Um, I know we sound like we're harping on. like We are we are sponsored by them for this week, which is great. We do play Titleist gear ourselves. Um, that's as a result of having gone through lots of testing and different stuff. We found that they are the ones that make us happy. Uh, I also have to admit, I'm very visually attracted to their logo. I think it's quite classy. So um, that's You just like to think because they say it's for the player's player, that you kind of, for the better player, that you think that's you. That's what helps me when I've had a round like I did last weekend. So which is why we're skipping over which is why our own games this over. week. So go over it one more time. Follow us on Twitter at PodcastGTS and send your answers to at PodcastGTS at Titleist Europe. List the answers and hashtag Team Titleist. And I'll, I'll put that up on our Twitter just as a, a sample, an example of how to follow it. So three separate prizes, James. Hit them with the prizes. What are they going to be? So we have a dozen Pro V1s. Um, 
which is great because I think you would have needed all of them on Saturday. <clears throat> the second or the second prize to the second question is going to be a pair of Footjoy Hydro Lights, mm-hmm. uh, superb pair of shoes and well worth getting uh, hands on them. And the third, which we have both had the benefit of, and I think that people who know us know how much we enjoyed it, but it is going to be a custom-fitting session with Titleist and Mark O'Mahony in Carton House. Now, unfortunately, that is a bit local, so it, you can put your name in. If, uh, if you happen to live in the US, get yourself to Carton House. More than happy uh, to meet you down there for a game of golf afterwards, but yeah, no it cheese. is going to be in Carton House in, in Kildare in, in, in Ireland. So they're the three prizes. Pro V1s. Footjoy Hydrolite and custom fitting for the full bag, I think, is it, Barry? Full bag, yeah. Full, full bag. bag. Just confirmed that with them, Keith there. He said full bag fitting, so it'll probably take close to two hours, I think. So you get the full treatment in there. You do. You feel like a professional when you're in there, and you're going to feel like a tightless professional when you're there. So, And more importantly, when you leave with all your stats and all of that information, you're going to play like a tour player when you get to your own course with all that equipment in your hand. Just, yeah, well, just to clarify, it is, it's a session. It's not the full... You're not getting clubs. No, no, but they, but, but once they buy them themselves, yes. they're going to play like a pro. So it's, it's, it's the first of the two stages. Yeah, but. I mean, it, just, it opens your eyes to what is possible when you do take that leap to buying a set of custom-built clubs, you know, or, or just getting your own ones reverse-customized or fi- customized as you know, by changing lofts and lies or for whatever, and it's all so, on Trackman. It's in the bay. It has all the equipment. It's superb. It's a brilliant prize. They're all brilliant prizes. Um, and uh, again, thanks to Titleist for sponsoring it. Barry, I suppose let's just ask the first question then. And uh, I think this is for the dozen Pro V ones. For the dozen Pro so V ones, it's straightforward enough. This, yeah, it's cool. So. Pro Titleist came about because the founder of the company uh, had a bit of problems with his golf ball. So he put a golf ball under an x-ray machine and discovered the inside was wonky. And he said, okay, this has got to be fixed. So I need to make a ball that's uniform inside and will fly properly and not wonky on the inside. So to this day, Titleist have always x-rayed their golf balls. The question we want to ask is, what is the name of the founder of Titleist? Pro V1 for the pro doesn't Pro V ones for the answer. So um, we're going to keep this open. Did you tell the listeners how yes. long you're till Sunday the twentieth of March? We'll cut it off at midnight GMT. Perfect. So let's uh, have a look back now at the Twitter feedback that we've had, and we've had quite a lot over the course of the last week because of the fact that this is a very special hundredth episode, mm. and we just have to say thank you to everybody who over the course of the 100 episodes, has gotten in contact with us through Twitter and email, but particularly over the last couple of weeks, because, Barry, you sent out a tweet a couple of weeks ago, and a lot of people jumped on board, and you might just tell people what that Twitter feed was about, and what has occurred since. Yeah, so we... um the Waxter was asking for our swings to be analysed, said it'd be good to do in the top 100. We had a few other people at it as well, and we said that we should do it. And you know the way we just kept saying it, kept saying it, kept pushing it, kept pushing it. And I said, well, okay, let's let's get a little bit self-indulgent here. And if you're going to get it done, do it right. So um, as everybody knows, I'm an enormous fan of Peter Costas, and I've always said it would be a dream come true to get have Peter Costas analyse my swing. So 
Uh, I got a little, tried to get a little bit cheeky on Twitter, offered him an entire pint of Guinness as well. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's expensive. <laughs> I've never gotten a pint of Guinness out of you. Um, okay, we will have to remedy that. Um, so, I got a bit of a shock, I must say. It was away last weekend, and I woke up in the hotel. You know, you check your phone, you wake up, and I see notifications on Twitter. I was like, okay, cool. Bit of interaction with the, the podcast fans overnight. And the first one I see is Peter Costas has followed you. And I'm like, you're joking me here now. Come on. And then he says, where do I get the swings? So the swings have been sent off to Costas, obviously taking a couple of well-earned days off after a full week at the WGC. So it's in process. And uh, God, I don't know. if When they come, I will be over the moon. It'll be like all my Christmases at once. So when we do get them, we will post them up and play them on the show if possible and look it's it's a bit of a self-reward but you know we've put a lot of effort into this so i, I say and yeah, i think, I think it was uh, there was a lot of people who also kind of got a hold of costas kind of was pinging his uh, twitter as well from from our podcast gts and so the listeners you. so i think for everybody who is hopefully going to make barry's dreams come true uh thank you for the 200th episode, we're going to just be really selfish, and I want to meet Nick Faldo, so we can all start pinging him next. Let's go for 150, like, it'd be uh, closer. Um, the, the funny thing was, I mean, we went we went to a local driving range. I kind of know a couple of guys that work in the shop downstairs. They have a custom-fitting bay upstairs. It was Leopard Sound Driving Range. Got to give them a thanks to that. And uh, the lads led us upstairs into the, the custom-fitting bay, where we got to learn master our video well sorry not master but we got to work on our video skills and our golf swings as well and uh, i thought the funniest thing of the whole time was just but you know we had some awful shots we had some good shots as well but when you pointed out at the very end he said the irony of us taking all these videos to go and cherry pick one to send to somebody for swing analysis is just too much and uh i that got a big chuckle out of me so anyway we did. We sent on swings to Costas. We did not send the worst swings. That is, you know, uh, we've, we've. I did. We've, I I sent a pretty bad swing, and then I went to Marco Maldini after looking oh, the, back the one, on it, yeah. and I was really pissed off and mm. went and got work done. Well, with I cherry picked the best uh, one of the ones you had that day. That that would have been hard because they were not that great. Okay, look, it was it wasn't terrible. Anyway, we sent your before and after your day one and your day two you know, uh, to Costa so it'd be interesting to see what he says and um, yeah make a little boy's dream come true <laughs> so thank you thank to you. all then uh, and you know we'll, once we have it we'll put it up and um, there has been other yes. Twitter uh, interaction surprisingly quite a few Australians have been in touch with us <laughs> I wonder why is it because I'm just very jealous of uh, the, the playing in the, the playing in the shorts the heat I mean some guy called Adam Scott winning two events back to back. I like they just seem to be kind of um, full of beans right now. So uh, Anthony Ugoni, um we need to take we need to take this on some other day and maybe get in like a sports psychologist or something onto the show. I think it would be an interesting one to do. But he talks about the mental anguish of stroke play versus Stableford for high handicappers. Um, I don't know just. That's a tough one, and not we're not qualified to answer that. We we got over it ourselves eventually. I don't think you ever fully get over it because there is that that fear is there, but mm. I suppose that fear is good as well. You know, uh, it helps you focus. 
So hopefully we'll try to figure out something for that, Anthony. Maybe get a um, maybe it would be cool to get a sports psychologist on. I have a couple of people in mind, so um, we'll, we'll we'll work on that one. Luke Drummond was uh, well. We're going to talk a little bit Scotty later on because he is he's been phenomenal yeah, the last couple of weeks, and um, the wonderful. 37 over par of Stephen Bowditch, which was uh, unfortunate. I don't know if he was sick or injured, but uh, interesting stat on that. He shot four rounds in the 80s in one tournament. Tiger Woods has only shot four rounds in the 80s in his entire career. So there just shows you the greatness of him. Um, John Caulfield correctly pointed out senior scratch is for four and below. Barry shit the bed on that one. Sorry it's, about it's, that one. It's always good when we get... People pointing out where we're gone wrong. Oh yeah, uh, yeah well, <laughs> podcast GTS. We so. can't get better otherwise. Um, and Dave Meadows, the greenkeeper at Royal Adelaide. This I'm looking forward to because Dave was cool enough. She sent us a nice long message on Facebook, and that's hosting the 2017 LPGA Australian Open. And he knows how interested we are in course conditions and how they're set up for tournaments. So he says he's going to keep us in the loop about how that course is shaping up for that event, which would be pretty cool. And uh, thoughts on Rory's putting grip? We'll get we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, we'll bring it up with Bob and Alan as well. Um, it it worked. <laughs> it worked at times. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we'll, we'll talk about that we'll in get to greater it. detail and in the course of this show. Do we think Jason Day will have a quiet year? I don't think so. I think Day Day's kind of gone up a level in his game, and he doesn't really play well in the Florida swing. Never has historically. Doesn't seem to like Bermuda grass green. So. Watch, he's going to come in. He's going to click now in the next few weeks. Augusta's coming up. He loves it. He plays well there. there he, he's just, he's taken that leap, and I don't think he's going to go back, drop back down a level, you know, or too far. You it know, swings it, and troughs as well. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's sometimes you're on, on form, other times you're you're mediocre. But I think over the course of this year, he, mm-hmm. he will have more. I think he will progress more than he did last year as yes. well. I think he will, it will be a step up again from last year mm. in terms of wins, in terms of percentages. I think I just that's the way I see it. But yeah. I think I judge him at the end of the year. You know, well, that's, yeah. that's yeah. where I I kind of see it. Of course, it's hard to make predictions, but it's certainly we we've said it there like over the last couple of months, especially after his win on the PGA in the PGA last year. His his mental game and his maturity seems to have just gone up that notch, and it's just it's taken him up that new new level. And I, I think uh, he's definitely got a couple of wins in him this year. Also, one other thing on Twitter, feedback, internet, Steve Bamford was awesome today of www.golfbettingsystem.co.uk. He gave us an awesome shout out on his Valspar Championship preview video. Um, I've got to say many thanks to Steve for that. Steve joined us on our majors preview shows last year. We are going to have Steve on the majors preview shows this year. We need to just confirm with him the details, but uh, I don't see... Any reason why we won't happen again. We love having him on the show. His insight and knowledge is just phenomenal. And if anybody's looking for fantasy golf stuff, you know, just information for fantasy golf, for betting, or, you know, just stats on players in general, golfbettingsystem.co.uk is a phenomenal resource. They have stuff up every week. Steve and Paul do. Steve's handle is at Bamford Golf, and Paul's handle is at Golf Betting. So uh, give the guys a follow, check out their website, and thanks a million to Steve. Yeah, and, and he's one of the guys who has really made over the last 100 episodes um, a, a, a different angle that mm. I think has been really um, important for, for both the podcast and, and for what listeners get out of it. Let's move on to the news. We're only going to really look very briefly at Ricky Fowler because it's been a bit of a slow week on the news front, but this, this was one that you really wanted to, uh, to, to bring out to the public. This is just great. I mean, so... Rick, Ricky's known for being really, really generous with his time and everything. He was 
on I think he was on the way home after the tournament. We stopped by Ernie Els's charity day, Els for Autism. Um, I think it's at Els for Autism. So he didn't have his clubs, he didn't have his golf shoes, he didn't have any balls, he didn't have any gloves. He just stopped by to make an appearance, you know, meet everybody there and just be the general awesome guy that he is. So, he's, of course, he's going to have a go at the, the challenge, which is to have a hole-in-one on the par three there. Uh, 110 yards. Which would earn a million dollars for the charity. From the, I can't remember the name of the sponsor. Anyway, he borrows a nine-hour pitching wedge from Luke Donald, borrows a ball off another guy and... Uh, Stands up and knocks it in the hole, and which earned himself a massive lift and hug from Ernie Els. It was incredible. It's it's very rare that it happens. Mm. Um, they've done this year on year. Ernie has always uh, hosted over the last number of years this this event. It hasn't happened. It was one swing, and he didn't take practice. He he just he still yeah. up hit it. Interestingly, there is no video of it going in the hole. And. Um, it is a lot of videos of people looking at him yeah, taking yeah. the shot, but there is actually nobody filming that's, the shot going in the hole. <laughs> hey, listen, great, so, great acting to earn a million dollars for charity. Well oh done, no, everybody it, it there. It's superb. It's well worth the... Uh, Did you see the opening of Tiger Woods' Blue Jack National Golf Course? Yes. The little part three. The, the first shot on it, the opening shot, the little kid hits a hole-in-one as well. It's a week of hole-in-ones. Hey, there um, you go. I think what I liked about the Ricky Fowler story was that... Um, if you look at there's a photo um, where he's being lifted up mm. and there's a guy to the right. They've all got their cameras out and they're all filming or recording or taking photos. There's just one guy with a camera and he looks like any of the kind of older generation who don't know how to use because he's got his tongue sticking out trying to work out how to press the record button. It is just so funny. It's just a snapshot of him and it just it, it it's just in the background. You yeah. have to... Look at the rest of the photo if you get it. I'll give it to Barry. Barry will tweet it on the on the at podcast GTS. But it is just it is very funny. Ricky Fowler, and you will see where this link is going. Ricky Fowler plays Titleist Pro V ones. He is a Titleist Pro V one player. This podcast this week is sponsored by Titleist. Barry is going to hit us with the second question, which is to win the pair of the Footjoy Hydro Lights. And uh, Barry, the question that the listeners need to answer to be in with a chance to win the Hydro Lights is? Is, obviously, Footjoy shoes related. So, according to Footjoy.com, now be careful it's the .com address, I think that's just the general worldwide one, because they have the most combinations. How many possible combinations exist for Footjoy MyJoys? So, these are the customizations yes. you can have different colors different lace colors there's a lot it's more than five people but it is it's it's on the website so go onto the website you will find it yeah um so how many combinate possible combinations on the dot com the that's dot com. important so it will be of the results you'll see it will be the biggest of them all because that's the one that's us based so they have the most combinations and it's it's a big figure it is a big figure yes and that is to win a pair of the foot joy Hydro lights, yeah, a great so. pair of shoes. At Podcast GTS, at Titleist Europe, hashtag Team Titleist, and your answers. And we Question will, three coming up later. We will do the rest. So next, we do have Alan and Bobby standing by. Uh, Bobby is in California. Alan is Paris. We are getting them up on the internet, and we will have a quick-ish conversation with them about all things golf over the last 12 months and the next 12 months. So hope you enjoy this. 
So it's great to have, for the 100th episode, the three original guys who set this up. Bobby, who is uh, live on the computer from California, and Alan, who has made it from Sweden to Paris. Hey, guys. Hi, James. How are you? Um, and obviously, Barry is still with us here at, in, in the studio. But um, just coming to you, Alan, first, um, or sorry, Bobby first, You, the, the concept of the podcast 100 episodes ago where did it come from? Where, where, you know, was this over a few pints that you just thought, you know what, I've a bit of spare time in my hands, and like, just tell the listeners how this all came about. Well, yeah, well, I, I think the key thing was that we started. I, I, I noticed that there was a couple of podcasts out there uh, on a regular basis, but um, they weren't regular enough. I didn't think they were consistent, and also um, a lot of the podcasts that are being done are kind of more kind of focused on the pros and what's on tour and getting I suppose, the, the high level interviews whereas I thought there was a bit of a gap there for people just talking about normal golf normal people talking about normal golf talking about how we get on and also just having the general kind of chat that you'd have in the pub uh, you know talking about golf so I think that's where I kind of thought there was a bit of a room and I felt that between the three and four or five of us wherever demands we've had over the last while that there's a big demand out there for people to get a regular discussion going on around golf so that's where I kind of thought that we would be able to make a bit of an impact and obviously uh, you know with Barry's high handicap, your medium handicap, Alan, you were required to, to come in as a uh, as the low handicap of the group to give your you know actual golfing experience how, how did you get dragged into it or was it something that you were at the infancy of it and you really wanted to be involved? Well, I think well, it was obviously, this is obviously the brainchild of Bob. And, uh, you know, we had Barry lined up, so I think uh, I think he wanted a third person just to try and minimize Barry's contribution to the show. <laughs> it's nice to have you back, Alan. <laughs> that, that was probably the catalyst behind getting me involved. And, and Barry, you, you obviously were the third in the group. I came sometime afterwards but I think it was week 14 it was pretty early on was it week 14 I think so yeah and what was it that attracted you to the podcast when Bobby came up with the idea or started talking about the idea what, what was it that you said this is something that you really wanted to be involved in Gee, I really like the idea of doing it with um, talking golf we always talked a lot of golf and it did happen the, the conversation happened on numerous occasions in my memory um, over numerous nights of pints, and it, you know the discussion evolved a bit, and the plans evolved, and I think finally got to one of those this, one of those nights. We said, "Let's actually do this." You know, let's stop talking about it and do it. And um, I remember the first night, the three of us was in your in your house, Bob. Was it your folks' house? Three of us huddled around with one of those little tiny microphones that looked like it was out of like nineteen eighty five. And uh, yeah, we put it all together, and Bob Bob put together the uh, the feed uh, to get it up on the internet, and we hosted it on a friend's server, and hey, we got it going, and moved it along, and we just kind of felt our way along, and that oh, was great. It was great fun, and uh, we went from there. And 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 over the time that that I suppose we were all, as you say, Barry, I came in around week fourteen, but in terms of the beginning was it you know did it live up to the expectation was it what you were you were wanting Bobby was it was it in reality what you had in your head or did that take time to evolve over the course of of you know 10 20 30 episodes I think it's probably fair to say and maybe again 
some of the listeners might kind of give us a bit of feedback. But I kind of, and I, I think we all thought at the start, it was a bit of a disaster at the start, <laughs> because, you know, you just don't know what, what exactly you should be talking about. You need to get used to different people's styles, and even things, small issues like talking over each other, that we needed to work with that. And, and also the content, you know, we, we would, we, we started off with a rough guide, and after a while we felt that we wanted more three-way humour between us, and there were certain parts of the agenda that worked. So I think kind of, yeah, as we got into week 20, week 30, we started to settle on, uh, a, a, you know, a, a better format. But, uh, you know, I, I actually one of the good things we did do is we, we contacted all our Twitter users and got feedback from them as to what they liked and what they didn't like. And that really was a, that was a great exercise because it really guided us as to what people want to listen to. Um, and Twitter has been huge... Uh, part of it because it's so easy to access listeners and it's so easy for listeners to access those. I think Twitter did brilliant stuff. Yeah, no, it's been really good now, let's say. Uh, I think it's, it's, you know, it's, it's getting very, very good and there's, there's, there's a lot of room for us to get better as well. And in terms of, Alan, you know, the top 200 was your brainchild, which, you know, was something that, you know, people had to pick two golfers, one in America, one in Europe, who was outside the top 200. And, um, probably made you very efficient on Excel over the course of a year. Um, would you like to see it come back? Would you Would you host it again for us? Uh, yeah, well, I think it was, um, I think that was kind of a little competition where probably what gave podcasts a little, something a little bit different from uh, from the other ones out there. Um, they were always a good bit of fun. Um, I think uh, whether, I, whether I'd be hosting it again is another question. Uh, so unfortunately, that's, that's what geography Geography and families have taken myself and Bob away from the podcast, um, so that's a pity. But it's, um, I suppose, it's a testament to you guys that you've been keep that you've got all the way to the hundred shows. Well, it's uh, you're only temporarily released. You, you, you know, when when you get back to these shores, we'll we'll re- reconvene everything. Barry, in terms of the the way it was set up, and and the format hasn't vastly changed over the course of the hundred ep- episodes. Which of the bit of the, you know, is it the previews, the reviews, the news, our own games? Which is the bit of that agenda each week that you actually quite enjoy talking about? Um, I always enjoyed talking about our own games because it was personal to us. And we gave Alan an opportunity to test out his latest slag of me and my game. But, um, yeah, that, that was always the bit that kind of engaged... <coughs> Because we, we do talk, as amateurs, we do talk about our games a lot. And we do bounce off each other. And yourself and myself, James, we have very in-depth conversations about our games every week. So um, I, I think that's something the listeners seem to enjoy and they identify with. Because I'd, I'd say most of them are amateur golfers just like us. And, and they can identify with the, the struggles we have and the, the occasional rare high points of the year. So uh, I always enjoyed that. Um, yeah. So, t- taking that part of it, and let's let's hear from I suppose Alan for the moment. You're now in Paris. Are you still? What what are you off handicap wise? Um, are you getting to play? And I suppose the last part of that is uh, is it a uh, is it a fat grip or is it a thin grip on the putter? Because I think you were still swaying back and forward between the two towards the end of uh, your your full time involvement. So tell the listeners where where your golf's at at the moment. I do. I I, I, I hardly even know what my putter looks like anymore. I haven't seen it and stuff. 
so long. But uh, no, between um, between travelling Monday, I guess because I'm in Paris Monday to Friday, and have young family at home, so my golf has very much taken a back seat for me in the uh, probably in the last twenty or in the last twelve months. Um, still, still scratching around on a four handicap, but um, I'd say that's probably due to a lack of activity more than anything. So it would be. Uh, It'll be rapidly moving off in the other direction um, once I get back to playing. But I try and get out as much as I can. I was actually I'm only just back from Wentworth at the weekend. There I had a couple of rounds, which was my first bit of golf in a while. <laughs> that was very, very enjoyable and actually surprisingly okay performance. And and similar uh, to uh, Roy McIlroy, rumor has it you've uh, you've been trying a little left hand below right in the putter. Is that something you're still using? Uh, no, I've actually never, I've never dabbled in that. So I don't know who your source, your source is. Uh, well, we might, we might, we might move over to your brother then. <laughs> were you not, were you not going, were you not, not, not recently? But at one stage, Alan, before you found this magic wand of a ping putter, were, were you toying with going left hand below right? I tried it. I tried it once on on the practice putting green, and then and then I used to use a Scotty Cameron, and then I went to. I tried the left hand below right, and then I actually went to the fat grip, um, but I abandoned that pretty quick. Uh, I actually found the fat grip kind of mentally, I'm mentally weak at the best of times, and uh, <laughs> that, just made, that just made me think that I'm a, I, I'm a terrible putter when I was putting with that, so I actually moved to the ping, and the ping has just changed, has changed my putting altogether, it's a fantastic putter. It's, uh, it sounds like the attitude has changed too. Uh, Bobby, California... Uh, it's, Just I'm not playing. It's it's twenty four seven sunshine over there, twelve months of the year. You must you must be off scratch now with that uh, dodgy American handicap system that's out there. Yeah, no, I'm I'm actually off four myself. Uh, but yeah, like we don't. Uh, that's the other thing that I was going to say. Is, you know, I went. Things are settling down over here. We're kind of settled into. And we're near San Francisco, so we've, we've kind of settled into a house, and like, I'm kind of working now, so I've got this more of a steady routine, so I might be available for the odd extra podcast, but I was, uh, the only thing is, I was thinking after about two or three episodes, I, there would be a lot of complaints on Twitter about listening to me telling you all about playing in 22 degrees uh, sun in February and playing with no wind uh, at all. Like, and yet you're still only on four. And I won it by nine. 
kind of a keeper, <laughs> basically abusing me afterwards as I was to get my prize on absolute sandbagging bastard never sent me. I, I so, see, uh, there was a lot of heckling by the sounds of it. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was, that was in September, but um, yeah, so I'm kind of I'm hopeful that for this year, uh, you know, I'm to get my come down a bit. But it, it, you know, should we get to the topic for another day? There's a big difference between how it's done here uh, in the US and how it's done in the UK. It's a lot looser and a, and a lot more. Uh, it's a bit more fluid, but it's you know, it's a lot looser in terms of how you can manage it. There's a lot more opportunities for you to manipulate it if you want to want to say, you know. We, we, we were talking a couple of weeks ago on the podcast about the areas of the games that we are going to work on over the year. Alan, if you do get a chance to play, and you know, that's, I think a lot of people are probably listening to the podcast today thinking you know, they, can, they can feel sorry with Alan because they're probably in exactly the same situation. But what is the one aspect of the game that you kind of feel, is it the short game, the putting, is it the, you know, the long game? What, what aspect do you think needs the most work for you? at the moment or is it everything his mental fragility yeah oh, uh, that's, uh, geez, I think that's, that's a problem, problem that, that is uh, that will never be fixed but uh, to be honest James I have absolutely no clue because I'm playing so little I, I, I have no idea what's going wrong I would say I know actually I drove the ball extremely well in Wentworth over the weekend but I would say my driving is is a car crash waiting to happen usually the short game is pretty good um, and the irons are all right, but the driving is, is just a disaster more often than not. So I'd say, I don't even know if I bother working on it. I think it got to the point where I actually started working on strengthening the other areas of the game because the driving was a lost cause. So, um, but to be honest, more just actually just getting back out on the court and just playing any sort of golf is the primary focus. In, in terms of that, just, I suppose if we, you know, it's great to get the update of the lads uh, about their golf and, you know, the listeners have been listening to us. But just turning back to kind of the 100th episode and, and, you know, where we're at, what have been the highlights for you over the last kind of 100? Has there been anything that kind of still sticks in your memory that something that you go, that, that was hilarious or that was funny or that interview was great? Oh, definitely when you said, shut a tiger and play golf. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was in a bad place that day. I think I was in uh, in in the Donnelly's uh, living room, and yeah. I was not in a good place that day. No, I absolutely loved that. Um, you you were in it. No, it was just great because you were angry, but really honest as well. You just you had your mood, and you just you just said what you wanted to say. There was no um, no sense, no self censorship. It was good though. It was a good episode. And um, we're now censored yeah. by all all of the. <laughs> by Tiger and these lads now. Um, no, what I, I really did enjoy, and I'd like to bring it back actually, was um, I, th- I think Bobby and Alan did as well when we did kind of our in depth um, topics. You know, we'd spend maybe twenty minutes on pudding, or um, we we did quite a lot of in depth looks into things and into the rules as well. And um, I, I know Bob really enjoyed that, especially when it got down to the stats kind of side of things. And um, wondering whether. Uh, that that's true, Bob. You know, what do you enjoy? You really enjoy those agenda, those top main topics that we had. Yeah, well, maybe again, go back. The survey kind of came back. People like to they like to really talk about it last week, next week, and a lot of a lot of golf. Um, and that's the one thing I always follow the more the statistics side of things. I'm a big fan of that strokes gained analysis. And I always thought, I think as well, a lot of the TV 
and a lot of the radio and sports reporting is, and this is where there's a bit of an opportunity for us. I think a lot of it can be very lazy journalism, you know, saying things, you know, you, you hear a lot of uh, narratives about, you know, certain players uh, not being great drivers or not being good others. Things like strokes game putting really gives an exact science of what the truth is. So things like that, I always enjoyed that, you know, and I think we, we, when we planned out our episode, yeah, it was great to be able to kind of look at things slightly differently and have uh, a bit of intelligence and a bit of research backing everything up. I think we actually went through quite a lot of topics. I mean, I'm not saying we ran out of things to discuss, but we attacked a lot of the the issues and things that came to our heads, and you know, and we encountered along the way. And I thought we got through a lot of really cool things. And I'm sure there are more there are more things out there for us to discuss, and maybe that's something to look at down the line. We can, we can attack a few um, in the future, but uh, I certainly I really did enjoy those those thing, uh, those things there and. Um, one of yeah. the things that I always remember and it's, it's it, it was Bobby who did it was uh, you went off down to the Irish Open and you basically blagged your way into the practice with the microphone and basically just ignored everybody who told you you weren't to record and ended up getting a lot of very good interviews yeah. uh, at a time where we were very much in the infancy of the, the podcast and it was difficult to get that exposure and uh do you remember that? Do you, do you, do you remember being oh, yeah. brazen? And, and in terms of, I think there was one particular interview that was quite quite humorous uh, in terms of your conversation with them. Yeah, well, I, I, when you were talking about highlights, I suppose the two things I really enjoyed, the, one of the first kind of, I suppose, proper interviews we got was actually with Gary Murphy, and I thought that was brilliant. It was really, he's actually, and he's on 2FM regularly. Mm. He's so insightful, and I think he's, you know, talking with those people who talk a lot of waffle. I think he's really precise and really knowledgeable and very intelligent talker about the game. But yeah, we went down to the, I went down to the Irish Open because it was on one year in Carson so we went down there and then it was on in Fogla. So yeah, I went down to Fogla. I just parked the car in the wrong place and ended up walking down to where I thought the driving range was and all of a sudden there was standing behind um, Matthew Fitzpatrick and Robert Carlson and all these guys. Um, and yeah, so they were walking from the practice range up to the hotel, and it was about a three or four minute walk. So yeah, just kind of followed, followed all the players, often talking to Carlson um, and um, Chris Wood and guys like that. It was really, actually, it was brilliant, and they were so nice. And you know, you hear a lot of people talking about, particularly mainstream media, saying trying to get access to golfers. And even I heard news talk mentioning recently they were trying to get access to European tour pros. And that if you go through the the agent, it's just blank wall. They don't let you near them. They won't say no. They don't have time for that. Whereas I just stood there with the microphone, walked three or four minutes. And I said, "Can I have a chat with you while while we got up to the clubhouse?" Three or four minutes, and they were like, "Yeah." And they were talking about anything and all. You know, everything that's done on. I think they're probably still available for download. I don't the fact, but very nice guys, very willing to give us time. Funnily enough, the only person to turn me down. And we mentioned this on the episode of the time, it was actually Shane Lowry. And he's like, I mean, his agent, funnily enough, stepped in and said, oh, Shane will be talking to the media centre in half an hour. You can ask questions then. And I said, well, I'm actually not official media. And they're like, well, maybe push it. <laughs> well, to be fair, we got the caddy ultimately uh, on the show uh, that Barry interviewed. And um, Alan, I suppose if we look back at the professional game over the last year, and I suppose just to get your take on what you've seen, the rise of Jordan Spieth, 
you know, the, the, the domination that he had. Is is the game at that level now? Or, you know, or do you get excited to watch it even if you can't play it? Is it something that you, you do tend to watch kind of Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday? And if so, wh- where do you feel the game is going? Is the transitional shift to the next generation there? And are you excited about it or do you long for Tiger to return? Oh, well, I'd love to see Tiger return. I'm a big Tiger fan. I, I'd love to see him come back at a at a, a good level. I, I, it's looking unlikely at this stage, but you never know. Um, but in terms of the game, I, I, I during the off-season, I suppose I probably didn't watch a huge amount. I, I, I probably didn't watch a lot between November and February, and I started to get back into it now the last few weeks. And I suppose the one thing that's just jumping off the page at me is um, all the top guys are, are sitting at the top of the leaderboards now. If you look at probably the last two, three weeks at the WGC with Riviera, it's just stacked with guys in the top ten of the world at the top of the leaderboard every single week, which is great. It's great for viewing. It makes it so much more interesting. Um, but the other thing as well is it's, it's just become a power game now. Golf. It's just all about how far you can hit it. Like you look at the leaderboards, and I know. I know uh, Doral is very much a big hitter, of course, but it's all about power now. It's uh, it's the guys who are knocking it out there now. I know Speed probably books the trend a little bit, but he's he's not he's he's still sneaky long off the tee. Um, but his putter is just on a different on a different level, obviously. So I think I think it's it's going very much towards the power game. You look at like the top three or top four in the world. I don't know where Scott is now after last week, but I'd imagine he's top five. And yeah, it's obviously Rory Day, uh, Boba, Scott, and all these guys just hit it miles, absolutely miles. It was it was funny as well because I'm obviously a member of Milltown, and the pro up there was mentioned that he had he had an Irish pro playing up there a few weeks ago, and um, he is still competing on the European tour, and he said. He's struggling to compete now because he can't he can't hit the ball as far as the young guys do. And he said that they just go out on tour now and they don't really care where they're hitting it. They just want to hit it as far as possible, and they just bank they just bank on the fact that they're going to have a really hot week with the putter. So it might they might it might only happen once every few months, but those kind of once or twice a year are probably enough to get them a win or to get them a good top five. And I think that's just the from my, from my perspective, that's just where the game's going at the moment. And, and Bobby, I suppose, looking back over the last couple of weeks, and there's been a lot of criticism of Rory and the amount of gym work, do you have any view on that? Is that something that will concern you, that he, he's, he's kind of going down the tiger road of always being in the gym? Or do you think, a bit like what Alan's saying, it's now all about distance, it's all about power, and to get that, he feels that he just has to be in the gym and just bulk up? I, I think with Rory and that gym work, again, this is some of the narratives that people are talking about. I think somewhere in the middle, uh, he talked before that he used to have a lot of back pain. Actually, I think and Alan might have mentioned that in the past, that he would have back pain, and Alan's kind of done a bit of gym work himself. But Rory used to say he used to have a lot of back pain when he was practicing with hitting balls, and even something simple as practicing putting, and that by doing all this core work, he's allowed himself uh, to be able to practice more, to work harder on the golf course. And, I, I, you know, you can see his, 
his game is nearly there, but you can just see how good he is. And that can be down to more practice. So I think the gym work probably has benefited him. But on the other side of things, uh, I heard a couple of people saying that it's coming more bit now, possibly about vanity thing, and particularly on the back of the time he spent with Karen Wozniacki, that she was so gym focused, so uh, fitness focused, that he kind of felt he had to kind of up his game on that. But also, uh, I think the fact that he's now a Nike man, and, and Nike always refer to their uh, the people that they sponsor. They refer to them as athletes, um, and not sports people. So I think there's also a bit of pressure for Rory to live up to the tag of being an athlete uh, as being a Nike brand ambassador. But I do also think that he probably is going a bit too far. Like some of those videos we've seen seem, seem bananas. But, uh, no, I think, you know, as I said, somewhere in the middle, I think, between, between, between overdoing it and, and it actually being useful for him. Do you agree with uh, that, Adam? I think the, uh, yeah, I think, I think the logic, though, behind the gym work is that you lose your feel around the green. So if you're chipping and you're putting, and I think that's what they always say about Tiger, that he just lost, he lost that little bit of feel now. And, and that's the thing, it was, for Rory at the weekend, it was strange, it was actually his long game that totally deserted him on the final day. Um, now, I know he was making the putting, the, uh, the putting change, but like his target of the ball is terrible. He didn't make birdie, I don't think, on any of the par fives on the Sunday, which um, for him is unheard of. So, I, I, I can see the argument behind it, but I don't I don't think it's massively impacting his game. Oh, well, it's not. He, like, he's crazy long at the moment, and I don't think it's having that big an impact on a short game. Like, to, to me, to me, McElroy is probably, if not the best, he's certainly in the top three bunker players in the world. So if, if, if we look forward to the year ahead and we're now not that long away from the first major at the at Augusta, um, it's coming to you, Alan, I suppose, first, who, who do you think, let's go through each of the majors, who, who are you putting your, your money on now in relation to each of the four majors? Uh, well, I haven't looked, I, suppose, I haven't really looked far ahead so I'd only, I would have only really looked at the Masters and as, as I kind of mentioned previously I'm just going on, I'm going for a bomber I think it's hard to look past Bubba I think that the, um, the way he's playing he's got a win this year seems to be in contention every week and he's obviously very um, very comfortable around Augusta so he's, he's, uh, he'd be my big bet anyway uh, Bobby have you had a look in terms of some of the majors is there any even over the course, is somebody like a Danny Willett, is, is he the kind of player that you're looking towards, excited about Matthew Fitzpatrick, or are you still just looking at the top four or five guys again this year to dominate? Well, I always think that when you, when you come into each major, you, you decide pretty much 90% of your selections in the last two, to two weeks probably before the event, because... There's a lot of stats going around again, like they talk about master, Masters winners, that something, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure of this stat, but something like 12 of the last 13 winners, or 13 of the last 14 have won that year on tour before they won the Masters. So there's a lot of narrowing down that you do in the lead-up to the event. So in similar to Alan, I'm really, really just focusing on the Masters, and I thought it was tremendously interesting that so many players... Um, Peak, you know, masters players peaking into form like Scott, 
uh, Watson, obviously Rory's, uh, Rory's up to be able to do it. Um, so there's a lot of really good players coming into form. And even someone who's won one before, Schwartz, who started to play some really good golf. So again, I'm focusing on the Masters. It's interesting you mentioned Danny Willis. I, um, I'm a big fan of his, and I thought he was very impressive last year in a lot of the big competitions. And he's now 11th in the world, which is amazing to think about. Um, I'm not sure. I think he might have done well in last year's Masters. He might have been top 10, but I don't know if he... Uh, and Alan, you might know better on this. I don't know if he necessarily has a high enough ball flight. I remember seeing him in... Uh, we the British Open or in Chambers Bay, and they showed his driving, and he gets quite a flash. Uh, ball fight, I think at least they show him Pro Tracer. Um, so, but I think he could do very well in the US Open or the US PGA. I think he could go very well. Um, and in relation to the Masters, the one person I have had a bet on, I took him at eighty to one when he was contending in recent weeks. Mark Leishman, he's done very well in the uh, in, in the Masters and previous thing uh, in previous uh, records, uh, previous events, but he. Now, he, he probably won't tick the box of having won a, uh, a tour event this year, but at 80 to 1, I'm happy to find out and see if he could go south. I think he could go very well. Um, in terms of, and uh, I'm going to ask you, you can both answer this. Um, Phil Mickelson has, has stormed back with the change of, of coach uh, since, since Christmas, very much so. He's been in contention. Would he potentially book uh, Bobby's usual belief that a 40-year-old plus can't win? It's not a belief if it's a fact. <laughs> yeah, I don't... Yeah, uh, yeah, look, I, I, I just can't see it at all. Uh, I would almost kind of, you know, issue one of these famous, like, I'd eat my hat if, uh, if, he, uh, if he won. I just can't see it. Like, uh, as you say, Barry only one person since the year 2000 has uh, over the age of 40 has won a, I mean, I always bang on about it, has won a major over the age of 40 on U.S. soil, and that was B.J. Singh in 2004. Um, and when you look at the recent major winners, look at all the people contending right now, look at all the favourites for the, for the Masters, they're all young, athletic people, and I think the mental strain, the physical strain of playing four days of high competitive golf and the crossing they're set up so difficult now, I just think yeah, that someone over the age of 40 and someone who's approaching that deadline in a couple of years, it's, I think you start to, it just becomes more and more difficult and you so many younger guys who are hitting it further, who are physically fit, who are mentally fit, so I, I really, I think Mickelson, his, his swing looks really good, but it's it's kind of interesting that he has swinging the ball so well, yet in the last couple of tournaments he pops up on the leaderboard and then he disappears. You know, so and that could, could possibly be back to what I'm saying. In terms of just, a, I suppose, a few things just to wrap up on, um, Alan, the Olympics, excited, couldn't be arsed. Absolutely no interest. Okay. Would not be arsed whatsoever. Uh, um, I, I think I think it's I think it's Mickey I think it's Mickey Mouse I think it's like I, it's, I, I can't see how the players are all really interested in either. To me, I'm um, I'm just all about the Ryder Cup this year. I think the Ryder Cup is the big one. I think it's going to be um, I think it's going to be extremely interesting. It's very hard to look past the US, so it would be um, I think it would be an excellent event now this year. Okay, Bobby, 
uh, Olympics Ryder Cup? I, I, oh, I agree. The Ryder Cup is going to be fantastic, um, and that's one I really look forward to. And the Olympics, though, I think, like, and it's similar to I'm only looking at the Masters, and I'm really excited. It's a great time of year. You always get excited about the Masters. But I think when it comes to the Olympics and the week of it, I think there'll be a great curiosity around it, and I think it will. I think it will kind of almost hold the same level of interest and prestige, possibly as a WGC. So it's just the level below the majors. And I think when we come to it, because it's just so new, novel, it's in Brazil. You know, I don't know. I don't presume we've never seen a tournament there, um, a PGA Tour or a European Tour event. Anyway, so um, I think it, when it comes around to it, it, it could pique our interest. The only thing is there's a lot of golf in the summer uh, this year. Go on, Alan, respond. The only, the, only thing, the only thing I'm interested in seeing is which players stay in the, uh, in the athlete's village that week. <laughs> 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 I'd say they'll be smashed up. Uh, <laughs> that, is the only, that is the only thing. I'd say all the young lads. I'd say Shane Lowry, if he qualifies, would be staying in one of the bunk beds with <laughs> all the lads. Going absolutely bonkers. On Tinder. Cold too, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. it, it, will, it will definitely be one to uh, to follow through the uh, social pages. And definitely. Bobby, you have the, the pleasure, we're going to start wrapping it up here for you guys, but in terms of you have the pleasure of being in the States, you've got the Golf Channel, you've got so much more day-to-day coverage of golf than, than we have here in Sky or, or, or uh, Alan has in Paris, but... In terms of the coverage over there, just significantly, how much more is there, and and the quality of the coverage that's that that's shown. Um, I think Sky have a better quality of depth. Like last year, now when I was here for the Masters, I must say I really missed Butch Harmon um, on Sky, and I know you guys were, you know, Barbara and stuff like that talking about. Some of the stuff going on. Personally, I've never been a big fan of the likes of Faldo. Actually, Paul Avinger does start appearing on some stuff, and he's very good. Um, but I think generally, for the high caliber events, I think the Sky Sports quality of uh, presenters is better um, than, than what we get over here. But in terms of, do you know what actually there's been a big change over here is the different ways you can now watch golf. So, I mean, I'm obviously, we're in, uh, on the West Coast, so there's a bit of a time difference. So even on Thursdays or Fridays, when I'm having a spot of lunch or whatever, I'm only saying that in case someone I, someone I uh, work with is listening, but I'm watching it at lunch and not watching it while I work. But, uh, Bobby will be back on the podcast a lot quicker than he thought. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. But, like, you're, you're able to watch even, even the loads of sports. Like, I'm able to watch the... A lot, of the, the, a lot of the soccer, the UEFA, the Europa League, um, the Champions League, uh, the Premiership during the day. And same way with the golf, like you can access golf channels, CBS, NBC, everything is on the computer. And if you go onto the PGA Tours website, you can just click a video link and straight away you can start watching from different, um, you know, different kind of players, different holes. So there's a huge amount of interactivity. And even again, when the Open was on last year, I was able to pick on the computer between the BBC commentary and the US commentary. Um, so there's a huge amount of flexibility around how you watch it and when you watch it. And that's one of the things I find is brilliant over here. 
Well, I think uh, I, I, I think with the pro tracer, it certainly made a huge difference. Alan, is there anything that you'd like to see in in TV golf that would just make the interaction for you watching it even better than perhaps it is at the moment? Uh, well, definitely, I would prefer to see a lot less Mark Rowe and <laughs> a, lot, a lot less Bruce Critchley. Um, but in terms of technology, um, I'd probably like to see more Pro Tracer. Um, like we only really see Pro Tracer off the tee. Uh, it'd be interesting to see if they could put it kind of on a red button where you could see all shots, all long shots in Pro Tracer. Obviously, you, you know, you'd be fed up if you're watching this you know, four days, but if you had the option to actually kind of watch it for a prolonged period on the red button, I think that would be good. Um, but apart from that, like, I think, as Bob says, in the, major, in the, in the big events, the, uh, the coverage is excellent. Apart from just the abundance of ads, um, the, the, the sky coverage is usually top-notch. Well, uh, unless, Barry, you have anything to add? No, just um, qu- quick question, guys. Pro Tracer, I'd love that. I'd love to see that in every shot. I think, like as you say, it would get, it could get a little bit tiresome after a while. So the opportunity to switch it off via a red button or um, user controlled would be great. Would you guys have any interest in having the shot data from Flight Scope on all long game shots? So launch angle, ball speed, spin rate, and the like. Would that would that be interesting to you? Maybe as an as an optional thing to put on. Switch on and off as you want. Not to not to me anyway, because I I don't even know what my own one is, so I wouldn't I wouldn't know what I'm comparing I wouldn't know what I'm comparing it against. Mm. Um, probably not probably not to me. The only thing, the only thing maybe would be swing to see the different swing speeds, but um, no, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily float my boat now. Too, too much, too much. There's like there is a. I think it's a dangerous one to suggest because you can. There can be an overload of statistics and data, and it can just be become tiresome, and you lose the the beauty of the game. Then in, in the numbers, Bob. I, I, I think there are sometimes they do it on some holes. They show there's some kilometer that they do show uh, ball speed and club head speed and all that kind of stuff. So it is there, but I think. If they started showing it all the time, after two or three times, you wouldn't even look at it. You'd ignore it, you know. But but what might be better, and it goes back to the BBC's coverage that uh, Ken Green does around the court, if they did a little, instead of showing ads, if they did a little, you know, a minute thing going, okay, we sat down with Bob earlier on, and this is how we swung it, this is how it looked in the flight scope, this is, and, the, and then we, we sat down with a scratch player, a nine-handicapper, an 18-handicapper, and this is the difference. They did a minute or two on that and maybe did it with, you know, a different player every week or something like that. That would be tremendously interesting. And, and that's, I'd like to see golf guys become a lot more creative in terms of, you know, what they put on TV and how they show it. You know, a lot of it, you know, can, I don't think they're doing as good a job as they can. Like another small thing going on the Red Book very like, I'd love the ability that if, if Harrington's playing the Masters and he's gone from, you know, 32nd and all of a sudden he's up to 12th, I'd love the ability to go, okay, actually, I want to switch over to Harrington because they have a camera on every group and following every So I'd love to be able to pick certain players or even if you wanted to say, right, I only want to see shots from the top four. And even if it's a case that you're waiting for Jason Day to, you know, take 15 seconds and pick his glove and you're waiting, watching that and, you know, I, I, I prefer 
for control a bit more what I'd like to like to watching that would be a bit of technology that would be interesting well that's certainly I think something that they're looking at with the the GoPro uh, sponsorship that they're they're integrating with the PGA live and and looking at that kind of idea and um, it's it's been fascinating as it always is to talk to the two of you guys. Your your knowledge is just fantastic about the game and the pros and the amateurs. And um, I suppose for somebody who didn't uh, start a hundred episodes ago, thank you guys for you know setting it up because you know I think it it is something that the public has enjoyed and and, and certainly continues to enjoy. So. Uh, for the Guinnesses or the, the, the Smithics or the Whiskies or whatever it was that got the three of the brains clicking into gear to get this going, you know, it's been great. It's great chatting again to, to both of you, Bobby and Alan. Um, you know, it's it's been superb. And uh, hopefully it won't be another 100 episodes before you're both back on <laughs> giving your wisdom to the to the general golfing public. Yeah, no, thanks, guys. And, and best of luck with it going forward. Yeah, and... and I probably speak for myself and Bob and say hopefully we'll be back. Hopefully when we get back into the back into the Emerald Isles, we might be able to get ourselves back on the show. Well, you're always you're always yeah. welcome. I think we know that. Yeah, and I agree with Alan. And, and Alan mentioned this earlier on. Perfectly to you guys for keeping it going. You know, the fortune stuff and Alan there is, have been moved geographically, but uh, well done and keeping it going. And you know, you guys are doing a great job. And, and thanks to everyone out there for interacting with the show. I mean, you know, we, I suppose we wouldn't be doing 100 episodes if it wasn't for all people who were subscribing and downloading. So thanks to everyone out there as well. Well, we're keeping the seats warm for you, lads, for when you get back. But uh, thanks a million for, for calling in from around the world tonight. Thanks a million again to Alan and Bobby. It's great to have their input. And uh, it's nice to hear their voice back on the, uh, on the podcast. Um, Did you say Bobcast? No, I said podcast. Oh, thank God. No, no, he's not getting back in that easily. Um, let's have a look back at the review last week. The LPGA was at the HSBC Women's Championship in Singapore. And ha- Hei Nang Jang won by four shots. And I have to say, I actually watched quite a lot of this because the European Tour had no event last week. Everybody was playing over at the WGC. I actually, Sky were showing this, and I watched a huge amount of it. There was a couple of things. Han Nao Yang's putting was just incredible on the final day. Um, she really made an absolute hames of the 11th hole. She ended up hitting her driveway into the rough on the right-hand side. She had to go under a tree, around a tree, over a tree. She didn't do either. She hit flat bang into the tree, took her medicine, went out to the side, hit an absolutely stunning nine iron and left it six foot from the hole, ended up holding the putt for just one shot bogey. It was just incredible. Bit of a wobble. Everyone was talking about, oh, you know, will she, will she or won't she now? Which way is it going to go? Well, she just dominated the rest of the field at that stage. She birdied the next three holes, including the hardest hole on the course over the course of the weekend, the uh, par 3 14th. The monster putts that she was holding, like they were just phenomenal. Mm. But I have to just talk about the last shot, her second shot on 18. The pin is tucked front left, right by the water. 
par five. She hits it. And she's what a two shot lead at that time. Two shot lead, and like she hits this fantastic three wood. Now, I don't know, and I would never ask her if she meant it, mm. but she skirted with the water like it was inches over and bounced on and left her 12 probably 14 foot I'm never quite with the TV cameras I always find it tough to to see but not a surprise she holds the putt for an eagle and wins by four shots that's a way to do it unbelievable that's knowing your yardage is right (laughs) absolutely like uh, it was a phenomenal week for her Um, it, it really is pushed her right up the rankings couple of things, because we don't get to watch women's golf as mm. much, and, and we said last week I was going to watch a good bit of it just to give it a bit more exposure. There's a few things that I have to say I love about w- watching women's golf is the spirit in which they play it. You know, they're always smiling. They're always chanting. You can see the, you know, that it's not taken to the serious level mm. that the men's is, even though it should be, in theory. There's no reason it shouldn't be, but they just seem to play in a totally different spirit. Yeah, I wouldn't mistake their um, jovial nature for a lack of competitive nature oh, no, at all. No, no, definitely not. No, this is competitive, yeah. but it's played in a different spirit. Uh-huh. The spirit is the bit that I'm talking about. The you know the sportsmanship or the sportswomanship. It's just a different level. You know, I think the men's game is turned quite friendly in the last few months you know the guys are supporting each other a bit now I think when push comes to shove they still want to beat the heck out of each other but it's certainly in terms of their presence in front of the media they're an awful lot more affable to each other yeah I, and I think that that's Maybe you know, there is an game. element of that in the in the ladies game like mm. when push comes to shove they all want to win of course yeah. they do that's competitive there's nothing wrong with that the bit that I have to say that I liked because just to take example when Yang you know, when she had to take her medicine and chipped out onto the onto the, the, the fairway and she was hitting uh, three or four from there. But she ended up, when she hit the shot, her fourth shot, she turned to the caddy, turned to the camera and just kind of laughed as if like, you know, oh, I don't know, like I ballsed up the first three shots in this hole. But hey, that's golf. Mm. And it was just brilliant. It was great to watch. There is one thing that I cannot stand about women's golf, and I will, I apologize, and if people disagree with me at Podcast GTS, if you agree with me at Podcast GTS. Don't, I'll give you his personal email, I control the Twitter account. I cannot stand the amount of interaction the caddies do with the women about the the, the line, and you know, they, they line them up, they turn them, they... You know, and then they take three steps to the right and they kind of stop because they're going to pull the trigger. You know, just I know they're there to help. It just becomes so frustrating that they come in, they look at the line of the putt, they walk away, they come back, they walk away. Then the player gets behind the ball to take the putt. They're looking, are you in the right line? Then they walk away. It just drives me crazy while watching it yeah, it's strange I mean you wonder is it a lack of a confidence thing they have no each idea. other or they just want that extra reinsure, reassurance that yeah you're on the right line and that's like okay I can now super relax and just execute I, I don't know what it is right. I've never seen it in the men's game to the level that it is I've no. never seen a male caddy you know in the men's game walking behind Bubba saying yeah Bubba you're on the right target line there and then walking away it, it just got very distracting. It may be because it's different and because I'm not seeing it all the time. It just grated on me over four days after a while. 
it can, it can be a little bit painful. Much like, you know, when you see Keegan Bradley doing his, like, multiple restarts. And so it can just be a little bit yeah. frustrating. Just, anyway. Anyway. It was a great tournament. Really enjoyed it. They yeah. have signed a, um, a, 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 a an alliance or an agreement with the US uh, Tour. The PGA Tour. The PGA Tour. So it's going to, not quite straight away, but over time... Mm. It looks like there's going to be more interaction with the the, the TV coverage and mm. the rights and kind of scheduling. So hopefully mm-hmm. we'll see a lot more uh, of the ladies golf on TV because I I did really enjoy it and, and I've said it before. I think you can take an awful lot at the amateur level from the women's golf because it's, it's more about it's more to us. It's I, slower yeah. swings. It's it, it makes sense to when you're watching it kind of go. Mm. Oh, they don't swing at three thousand miles an hour because they don't need to. Mm. Um, but it was superb. Really enjoyed it, and uh, you know, congratulations to Yang. Um, if there's more women's golf on like that, we'll do more over the course of the season. Every time it's on, we will watch it and we will give a bit more feedback than we usually do. Over in the PGA, the WGC Cadillac Championship was at the Trump National in Doral in Florida, the Blue Monster Course. I think at this stage, probably most people know Adam Scott won the tournament. Mm. Um, a superb tournament by him. Um, another win, two weeks in a row. Um, won by a shot. Bubba really pushed him close at the end. Danny Willard, Rory McIlroy, 10 under, 2 behind. Superb 69 on the follow, uh, final day to, to win it for Adam Scott. With two double bogeys. At the start of the round. And a shank. But the two double... This is the thing. This is the point I want to talk about the most, actually, about his win. As impressive as it was and what he did throughout the week, I think this is just... Get this into your head, Barry. Get this into your head, everyone. Even if you do have a disaster early on in the round, the round's not ruined. And you can save it. And he did save it. And he had a shank on 16. And he still saved his par from a really difficult position. He just didn't seem to... He didn't let it ruffle him. Obviously, he's ruffled by it under the surface you know some, you're going to be annoyed about that but to come back from that, that big a setback early on in the round and to go on and win is just phenomenal and there's we just got to be able to take something from that or a bit of inspiration or just figure out how to get a little bit of that into our own games because Lord knows there's enough tournaments that we go out or competitions that we go out and you'll have a disaster in the first few holes and you're like, oh, towel thrown in, and you lose the head. Well, I, I watched him at the Sky Cart uh, after it, and they were talking about the do- double bogeys, and he made the point, look, there's nothing I can do about them at that stage. You just, you know, I made mistakes, I, I, I got punished. You just, you know, the next shot is a new shot, next hole is a new mm. hole. You just got to keep going. I think the interesting thing was when he was talking about the shank out of the bunker, and... Um, and and he laughed it off, you know. And he had a very difficult chip on eighteen, you know. He was in the in the hazard, he couldn't grind the club. He had the wedge in his hand, you know. The water is lurking over your right hand side. You shanked only a few holes before. Yeah, can't even ground the club. Like everything's difficult. Like that's back in your head. The last shot that I hit, and he's like, it wasn't in my head. I just laughed it off, you mm. know. I, Hey, I got up and down, got the par, moved on, didn't really think about it. I think we'd probably be thinking about it for another four holes, you know, or four weeks. In, into what round? Like, but I do think, later, I think yeah. you're right in what you're saying. It's a really important lesson that even when there is a setback at the beginning of the round, 
it, it, it's only a small setback. You just keep going, keep plodding, keep working. Mm. You know, every hole is a is another chance for a birdie. You know, and if you let it get to you, then the score scorecard will go. Of course, it will. Yeah. And um, I suppose, really, again, we have to talk about the fact that Adam Scott. We know how good he is as a ball striker, but again, the putting and. Interestingly, again at the Skycarp Barry, he was talking about the last putt on 18, which he needed to hole. He needed to hole it to win it. Mm-hmm. Miss, he's going to a playoff with Bubba. And all of a sudden, you know, it's that really testy kind of six, eight foot putt. And he said, hey, if I'm going to have to test my new putting and with the new... This was it. And he, he passed with flying colours. Oh, you know, like beautiful putt. If there's any questions about Adam Scott clutch putting... You know, that's probably a tick in the box to say, hey, you can probably park it for a while. I think we probably will revisit his putting throughout the season. But I think right now, hey, this, this guy is, has got the wand and he knows how to use it. He's going to have his wobbles. and It's just it's another week where, as we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, if he marries his phenomenal long game to a half-decent week with a putter, he's going to be there contending to win. And he did it again this week. He was second in strokes gained T to green. He gained 13 strokes on the field over the course of the tournament on the uh, on the field. And he was 17th in strokes gained putting. He had a poor, poor day putting on uh, day three. But other than that, 17th. That's you where put, he had a 73 that day. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, put, you, put that, you put those two things together, you know. Um, that long game with a pretty decent putting week. You're gonna, he's going to be there or thereabouts. And there he is again. And uh, he's in great shape. I mean... Can he hang up? Can he hold on to this high peak of form he's in right now for another four and a bit weeks until Augusta? I, I think that he's got to go with confidence. He's won two tournaments in a row. He's not playing the Valspar this week. He had previously planned not to play it regardless. These guys make their uh, very much make their schedule well in advance and they don't want to change it. Can he hold it for 29 days, 5 hours, 59 minutes and 46 seconds? <laughs> I don't know. But I tell you, yeah. he's going to be somebody who's going in with a huge amount of uh, confidence. Yeah. And with Ma- the Masters, with Augusta, we know putting is important. We know the short game. We know Teet Green, he is superb. The question has always been on the putting. And right now, he should be walking uh, 10 foot tall around the green because he, he's, no, he's putting well. No putting problems whatsoever. Let's talk about somebody who does have putting problems. Um yep. He's changed. Rory changed over the course of the week. Mm. I saw them talking to Sergio Garcia on the practice screen. I think it was on Thursday or Friday. Um, he's gone left hand under right. Is that yeah? Yep. That's correct. Um, it certainly worked for the most part. And in fact, you could be forgiven to look at the last round seventy four, which ultimately knocked him out of the tournament and 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 knocked him from winning it down to third. But it really wasn't the putting that actually was the problem on the last day. You you might be forgiven no. as a casual viewer that you might go, obviously the putting wasn't good. Uh-uh. But actually wasn't the putting on, on, long on, game. on Friday. Long on, game. And as Alan correctly pointed out, it was a long game. Uh, it was poor shape. He had nine greens in regulation. That's just not good enough for him. And he did not make birdie on any of the par fives. Is that, let me just check that. He birdied the 12th, actually. Uh, and Alan was wrong <laughs> in his analysis. Well, he, he no, sorry, that's round one. Hang on, round four. He's yeah, sorry, round four. He did not birdie any of the par fives. I'm looking at the PGA Tour scorecard website, looking at upside down. 
Um, yeah, so, Alan, you are correct. Well you done, Alan. Yeah, sorry, I, I retract. Uh, yeah, it's just the long game was not good enough. Um, it, it was strange because it just it, that 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 was the thing that looked the most solid all week long. It was in great shape, and he was putting on a bit of a putting clinic on days two and three. Way ahead in the field and strokes gained for those days. He actually finished 14th in strokes gained putting for the week, but you know, just not good enough. Um, poor final day, bit messy. And do you know what? It, this it kind of a, a little thing on momentum. He's playing with Johnson, right? Dustin Johnson, right? Who had an absolute meltdown of a day, complete and utter disaster. And it's really, it's it's funny when you see this on you know, on TV when the groups are going, you know, are out there. One group could have a whole birdie run going, and the guys could just be blasting in birdies for fun. On a course is really difficult. And uh, similarly, a group could just get a bad run of form going and unable to make birdies and the bogeys and the doubles creep in. And the, the two lads seem to kind of get caught in that rut of stinky golf for the day. And one fed the other. And, uh, like, I'm not saying it's Dustin Johnson's fault, but it's it's difficult to kind of get momentum or build momentum when there's nothing really there to build on. It's just, it's it's tough to kind of get going and moving. Let's talk about Danny Willett because he's a mm. player that we have talked about repeatedly over the course of the year. Um, he was tied third another superb week by him now 11th ranked player in the world in the, the, the current world rankings might not play the Masters depending on whether or not the wife gives birth um, Yeah, he's a player that I think <clears throat> you know we should all be very much watching for the majors I, I, I think that he's the kind of guy who might just kind of dance a little bit under the radar he's not well known perhaps as the likes of your Adam Scott's or your Roars or your Bubba's going into the into the majors he's certainly not going to be in the top four top five of the the big guys your Mm -hmm. Ricky's your days might just slowly like he's holding his own WGC tough course tough tournament yeah not that far away you know, superb, steady rounds. What were they? 68, 69, 72, 69. Mm. You know, he, he's he's a guy that just keeps going. He's sneaky. But the thing is, he's not extremely long, and he competed on a course that demands length. So I think he could be a sneaky shout for kind of a US Open or a British Open or an Open Championship, to be completely correct, because I like that. But like his driving distance for the week, he was only you know, 287, 284, 301, 293. So the average 291 for the week. He's not long by tour standards. So and he competed on a really tough course. So it shows you what his you know what kind of game he has. And uh, yeah, like you said, it could be come the majors when the fields are super strong and quite deep. You know, something like that could be. He could be. You could catch him at forties, fifties to one if the bookies aren't kind of paying attention. Well, he's certainly a he's certainly one that I'm going to keep an eye on. And um, one who we kept an eye on for all the wrong reasons was poor Stephen Bowditch. You talked earlier, mm. plus thirty seven for the week. I'd say he probably would have preferred that there had been a cut in this tournament. Yeah, kind of, well, at the same time, he picked up a nice paycheck, so you know, that is true. Swings and roundabouts. I would say this. I think fair dues to him because I think a lot of pros. After an 81-80 opening round, mm. being run to last might have just tossed in the towel and withdrawn no. and just moved on. But fair play to him to actually stick it out. And he kept going. He just said he was just trying to work on stuff, figure things out, learn, fit, see what the game is doing, you know. And you can you got to play your way out of it sometimes. Sometimes he needs a break and he decided to try play his way out of it. And 
Uh, it does make, I think, know. every amateur feel a lot better when you see scores of 81, 80, 80, 84 and thinking, yeah, you know, that's that's kind of the rounds that I, I, I'm happy to be hitting. Uh, slightly different type of course, but um, anyway, fair, fair play to him. Uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye. So Adam Scott's the winner and takes, takes this week off. But again, another link here. Adam Scott is a Titleist Tour player. What uh, company? A Titleist, Barry. Here we go. Um, another win this week for, for Adam Scott. And that segues into the third question of this week's podcast competition. Mm. And this is to win the uh, custom fit session with Titleist in Carton House with Marco Mahoney. And uh, Barry, what is the question? So Adam Scott plays the tightest MBs. They're beautiful blades, really, really good clothes. So that's not about this question's about. It's just us drooling over Adam Scott in honor of Bob, because Bob used to drool over Adam Scott on a weekly basis. Um, so Scotty's short game was pretty damn good uh, on eighteen on Sunday to get up and down for his par to win. What is the name of the Titleist short game robot? And that is available on the Titleist website. Yeah. So uh, so it's on their Instagram. On their, you'll find it on their Instagram or Twitter. Specifically, lots of mentions of it in the Team Titleist section of the Titleist website. So let's have a look at next week. The LPGA is taking a break until the week of March 17th. So they have this weekend off. The European Tour is taking place at the True Thailand Classic in Black Mountain Golf Club in Thailand. It's a 7,346-yard 7, par 72. Andrew Doth uh, defends, and I think, Barry, you should have the should have the odds for the tournament. I do indeed. Let's go quick top 10-ish or so. So Thong Chai Jaidi is 14-1, to Yost Lauten 16-1. to Afi Barnrash twenty to one, Thomas Peters and Peter Uline twenty two to one, Alexander Levy is twenty five to one, Pablo Larathabal is twenty eight to one, Miko Ilinen and Christopher Broberg are thirty three to one, and the rest of the guys are thirty five to one and out. So uh, I have not had a look at this yet. That's okay. I don't know. We're out in Thailand, bit of humidity. I'd say kind of swing towards somebody who's used to that humidity from that area of the world. We're going to have probably, a probably the favorite is probably not a bad or Alfie Barnard Rat. These guys far, far from to, a bad shout. Peter Uline is in great form at the moment yes. as well, twenty two to one, and well traveled around the world on his European tour. So uh, he, he he's used to those conditions. Let's look at the Valspar. And uh, again, this is a fairly strong field, and uh, the current running, sorry, I should say, it's a 7,340-yard par 71. It's at the Innsbruck Resort, Palm Harbour in Florida. Jordan Spieth defends, and not surprising, he is also going off as favourite at 5-1. to one. Henrik Stenson, 12-1. to one. Danny Willett, 20-1. to one. Patrick Reed, 22-1. to one. Louis Eustazen, 25-1. to one. Justin Thomas, 28-1. to one. Graham McDowell, 30-1. to one. Charles Schwartzell thirty to one, Brandon Grace thirty three to one, and Matt Kuchar thirty three to one. Um, again, you, I, I suppose we're looking at players who who like this area, like the the, the course, like the, the 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 type of grass that they're going to be playing on. Anyone there, Barry, that kind of throws out that you, you you'd be looking at? It's not, it's not too long a course. He's actually not in drive before at the moment. I'm going for Freddie Ock, the deepest voice on tour, Freddie Ockerson. 66 to 1. Okay, well, we're going to leave the preview at that for the week. Um, Barry, for the listeners, um, 
the prizes are the Dozen Pro V1s, mm-hmm. Footjoy Hydro Light, and a chance to have a full bag custom fitted with Marco Matheny in the Titleist Fitting Centre in Carton House in Kildare in Ireland. At one, two, and three questions. Mm-hmm. How they do it, what they need to do, and when the competition ends. Okay, thanks. <laughs> I'll go questions first. Question to win the Pro V1s, a dozen Pro V1s. What is the name of the founder of Titleist? First name, second name, please. Um, question two, to win the Footjoy Hydrolytes. According to footjoy.com, the .com address now, not any of the localized ones, how many possible combinations exist for Footjoy MyJoys? There's a lot, a lot, a lot. It's a bigger number. And the final prize at uh, the custom fitting session with Mark in Titleist, in Titleist in Carton House is... What is the name of the Titleist short game robot? So how to enter is follow us on Twitter at podcast GTS. We will verify that because, you know, James is a lawyer and all that. So we like that, like those nitty gritty things. Um, you got to tweet us at podcast GTS and at Titleist Europe and list your answers one, two and three for questions one, two and three. You don't need to list them one, two and three. If the answers are in, they're quite distinct. We'll know what they are. If you don't want to answer for all of them, that's fine. Say you live in America and you won't be visiting Ireland for some reason. You can't win the custom fitting session. It is specific to Carton House, um, just to emphasize that. So, And uh, don't forget to hashtag Team Titleist. So at Podcast GTS, at Titleist Europe, hashtag Team Titleist and your answers. I'll put up a sample of how to do it on the Twitter feed so people can see it. And if we've made it too confusing, I, I don't apologise. The prizes are awesome. You should have to work for them. And closing date, 20th of March. Yes. Sunday, the 20th of March. Midnight Mid- Irish time. Yes. Yeah. Midnight Irish time. So what is the name of the founder of Titleist? According to footjoy.com, how many possible combinations exist for the Footjoy My Joys, and what is the name of the title of short game Robot? Um, on that, I want to firstly thank Barry, Alan, Bobby for all their input and for making the podcast happen in the first place. I want to thank Steve Bamford no laying up any of the interviews that we've done over the course of the hundred episodes. Um, it's been great um, involvement. I also especially want to thank Titleist for sponsoring this episode and giving brilliant prizes. So get on, get following, get in the hat for the prizes because they are really, really good. So thank you to Titleist. At Podcast GTS, a good talk spoiled at gmail.com. This has been the 100th episode of a good talk spoiled golf podcast. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you, Barry. Thank you to the listeners for making this a hundredth episode and here's to another hundred and beyond. Talk to you all again next week. Bye bye, huh? Well, you're fine. Bye bye.